you know, Rick Rubin, I'm not sure if you know, he, he's this legendary music producer. And one of the things he's done more recently is he created this huge sort of house and studio facility in Malibu, California, where musicians go when they really want to break through some creative barrier or do their best work. And the idea is like he creates this space where they can do that, do their best work, be their most creative. And that's really what I see my role is with the CEO and teams. If you're at an early stage or growth stage VC-backed startup, you're in the right place. Season one and two, I brought on startup founders, marketing and sales leaders to explore brand demand, what approaches work well, challenges and category design. For season three, we're going deep into messy creative experiments, marketing innovation, pushing boundaries, how to make creativity achievable at a growing startup, why it's so important today, balancing creativity with results and how to sell the CEO on the creative stuff. I'll also talk to creatives like artists and writers to understand their approach to creativity and what we can learn and apply to marketing at our startups. See you inside. Welcome, everyone. I am so happy you're here with me. I wanted to put together an episode with someone that I'm inviting back on the show, Andy Raskin. Andy, welcome back to the show. Andy is the storyteller of Silicon Valley and (laughs) the master of strategic narrative. And I have more if you want, Andy. (laughs) I can... I can just go on and on, but let me just first welcome. Thanks for coming back on. I'm so happy that I know someone like you and I'm able to bring you onto the show. Thanks, Anna. It was a great experience last time. So looking forward to talking with you again. And I I love what you're doing. It seems like you're really interested in creativity now. Like you're talking a lot about that. and, And I love talking about that too. So great. Yes, we'll get more into that. It has been really fun for season three to to push more into creativity. What does that even mean? How do we tie creativity to results? So we'll talk more about that. But first, let me finish talking about you, Andy. So what you're doing is you help CEOs align their teams around strategic narrative. And I want to also talk about what is that for folks that didn't listen to the last episode where we dug into that a bit more. Strategic narrative helps them power up their success in sales, marketing, fundraising, product, recruiting, basically everything. And your clients include VC-backed companies that are funded by top VC firms like Andresine Horowitz, like Excel, Google Ventures, First Round Capital. And you also lead training sessions at companies like Salesforce, Uber, Square, Yelp, and more. You've got a podcast. That is not all, folks. Andy's got a podcast. It's called The Bigger Narrative, where you talk to CEOs from companies like Zora, Grin, you had on recently, 360 Learning, you had on, and Contentful, I think, was the latest one. And you talk to them about the power of strategic narrative. And I love that. You don't have episodes coming out like regularly, like every week, but it's very focused. And you find the companies that are treating strategic narrative in a way that like it's helping to drive their different business decisions. And I think that's really smart. So Andy, you are on the show, episode 61. Please go listen to that if you have not. How to tell a different story and creative movement. That was back in 2021. So it is about time for you to come back on this episode. And gosh, I just have so much to say about Andy. Seriously, like I I really love following you on LinkedIn because you share things like, 
I was talking to a Series D startup and they wanted to hire me, but then the CEO didn't want to get on a call with me. So I decided not to work with them. And I enjoy those types of posts because I'm also in the business of selling stuff to venture backed startups. And you don't beat around the bush. Like you just make it really clear, like this did not work out and here's why. And this is my methodology and these are my values and it's okay to say no. So I appreciate you for doing things like that. Thanks, Anna. And yeah, I should say, you know, like some of those <laughs> boundaries that I've talked about, for instance, like the CEO being, you know, not just sort of part of the work that we're doing in this strategic narrative, but literally like the person who's going to be the main person who gets in the trenches with me and, you know, does the work to not only build this narrative, but also align their team around it. I mean, this came from experience when I'm starting out, when I you know, would kind of look back on the projects I had done and say like, okay, which ones were the really successful ones? Which ones weren't? And it was just crystal clear. Like that was the differentiator. Did the CEO, was the CEO the person who reached out to me and first had a call? I mean, that doesn't always have to happen, but were they eventually the person who really led it in a real way? And 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 so I decided eventually like why do projects if that's not the case, you know? I can't imagine doing my work either if I'm not working directly with founders for early stage startups that just would not fly. But for in your case, that's also the case with strategic narrative work that you do. So, and I also love your mom's intros to your podcast episodes. I just saw the latest one where they're in Florida and she's like, I'm gonna, we're gonna go back and I don't wanna go back. And <laughs> <laughs> she's just so cute. And it differentiates you too. So you are you know what you're doing when you get your mom to talk about your podcast episodes. Everybody loves it. I don't know if you know uh, the podcast or radio show, This American Life. So Ira Glass, who I've always been a big fan of, he has a bunch of kind of like manifestos out there about how to do radio shows and how to think about creativity. And uh, one of the things he once said was, you know, he, he started out working, just editing like regular news pieces on like, I think All Things Considered or um, Morning Edition on National Public Radio. These are very straight newsy pieces. And he, what he decided was that even though these had to be pretty straight, he was going to put in one little thing that he loved into every little straight news thing he did. And he talks about some examples of them. And that thing with my mom was... You know, of course, I love talking with CEOs, but I wanted something of myself in that. And what happened was I was telling my mother about this podcast I was going to launch. And she said, well, what's the name of it? And I said, oh, it's called The Bigger. I, I think I'm going to call it The Bigger Narrative. And she was like, well, that seems like a really bad name. And she starts telling me why. And so I, I decided to just record her talking about it. And then I posted that and a lot of people reacted well to it. Like they thought it was really funny. And so did I. So I decided like, hmm, okay, maybe I'll like incorporate her into this. And it was kind of in that spirit of the Ira Glass. One thing I really, really love as part of the sort of business thing that I'm doing aside from that. See, even Andy Raskin is testing and learning, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to record this with my mom and see how people react. And then you posted it and there was some engagement with it and you got some signal and you decided, well, this is working. So I want to continue doing this. And it's how you bring a piece of yourself to your work, to your content. So I 
love that. Okay, let's dive into the questions because we got a few. It's been a while before we dive into some of these creativity-focused questions. I want to remind people what is strategic narrative. So every company wants to differentiate itself. Every company at least needs to want to differentiate itself and create urgency for its stuff. And the traditional approach is you have a problem. I have a solution. Let me tell you why it's better than status quo, which is usually the biggest competition or other competitors. And that essentially is like kind of bragging. And there's a better way. So Salesforce, Drift, Gong, etc. They're doing this other thing, which is they start with what's the change happening in the world? the old game versus the new game. And there's this narrative structure that comes out of answering those questions and working on that, that creates urgency, which doesn't happen when you're like, you have a problem, I have a solution. You should use my product to solve your problem. And then you can use this in everything. You could use it in sales, marketing, fundraising, product, whatever. So am I missing anything? Like it's been a while since you were last on here, Andy. I just want to make sure, has anything changed with this? No, I think that captures it well. And I, and I like what you, I think you use it as like the title of that last episode, something around creating a movement. And this really is, I think, everything you just said is correct. But I think, you know, taking it up a level, what are we really talking about? We're talking about these companies. You're talking about all the ones you mentioned, Grin and, you know, Drift, and Drift initially and now again, Gong. They're really talking about this change in the world as a kind of, as if what they're really selling is a movement. Hey, do you want to see the world and act in the world in this new way versus their actual software? Of course, they're selling their software, but it comes off as a very different thing. And, and I think it's been incredibly effective for the companies that do it well. So let's now dive into, I want to talk about creativity. What does creativity mean to you? So you told me you'd be asking me this question. So I, I recently was reading um, this book by that, that Rick Rubin put out called The Creative Act. Do you know about this book? No, I'm reading another book on creativity, but it is not called The Creative Act. So I'll have to check it out. <laughs> what is that called? Yeah, it's called Imagine. And it talks about the science behind creativity. What do we need? What kind of environment do we need to help us become more creative and what's the science to back that up and other things. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different ways to get into this. You know, um, Rick Rubin, I, I would almost say is like the, the anti-science, like it's just all about, you know, it's a m much more spiritual take on it. If, you know, in the kind of, let's say secular meaning of that term. So I looked and and he defines creativity as taking the sum of everything that is in our like our vessel, you know, the, the contents of our experience, whatever, selecting elements that might be useful or seem significant or valuable, and then somehow re he says representing them. So recombining them, presenting them in some new way that's that's valuable. And I think that's a pretty decent working definition. I like that. So first read the creative act and that to get that spiritual take and then read the book I'm reading. Imagine to get the scientific take and see both what. Sides, yeah. Yes. The, yeah. Both sides of the equation, because I think both do matter. Recombining certain things and, and creating something new. OK, that makes a lot of sense. So I think strategic narrative, when I think about strategic narrative and creating a movement, 
and storytelling in general. I think it's a very creative process, naturally creative process. You really have to be open-minded. You have to look for connections in seemingly unrelated things in order to build a story. And the startups that are using strategic narrative, I think, tend to be more creative because they're using that story as a groundwork for everything that they do, kind of like when you're a writer, right? Like everything you do is around telling the story and maybe getting people to having the content resonate with the readers. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a few different aspects of it. I definitely think that this strategic narrative stuff is a creative act. And the way, in fact, that I see my role is kind of like the, the Rick Rubin of strategic narrative. So, you know, Rick Rubin, I'm not sure if you know, he, he's this legendary music producer. And one of the things he's done more recently is he created this huge sort of house and studio facility in Malibu, California, where musicians go when they really want to break through some creative barrier or do their best work. And the idea is like he creates this space where they can do that, do their best work, be their most creative. And that's really what I see my role is with the CEO and teams is, of course, we're doing it on Zoom. We're not going to, you know, Rick Rubin's fancy palace in Malibu. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. Actually, I, I when I first started imagining doing this work, I did imagine, not necessarily the palace, but I did imagine like I'm going to have a space where the founding teams come and where it's going to be, you know, it might be a resort or so. I don't know. That didn't pan out or not yet. But <laughs> in terms of creativity, I'm trying to create the space for the team to do that kind of work with their narrative for the company. Hey, it's Anna, the host of Modern Startup Marketing, the show that you're listening to. I'm also the founder of Firminov Marketing Consulting. People call me the Marie Kondo of startup marketing because I help early stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus. So whenever you're ready, there are three ways I can help. One, as a fractional startup CMO, I've had over 25 happy clients and mentees. Two, you can sign up to get my monthly newsletter where I'm sharing playbooks and insights and maybe cracking some jokes. And three, you can sponsor this top 10% podcast and get startup founders, marketers, and VCs hearing about your brand. And now back to this episode. And how do you create that space? What do you think are the things that you need to do in order to create that space? Well, if we take the definition that Rick Rubin gives, you know, it sounds very simple, but there's a couple pieces to it. One is, you know, we, we, we take the sum of our vessels contents and then we kind of recombine them or select elements that we're going to use. So there's this separation of the generation of ideas and the cataloging of ideas and the like selecting and honing of the, those ideas. So in the writing metaphor, it's the writing, the generative writing and the editing are separate things. And I think what happens in a lot of company, like corporate environments, is those two get mushed together because of the demands of time, because people are anxious <laughs> that it's not going to come. You know, so the typical example of this is, hey, you know, like, let's do a brainstorming session and anything goes. And so we do, you get the people together. First person says, how about we do this? 
And then someone says, mm, you know, um, yeah, someone else did that or, you know, and it's okay, how about we do this? And so the, the evaluating and the idea generation are kind of getting mixed and it shuts it down really, really fast. And we're going to miss out on things. And, you know, the opposite approach to this is that approach of, you know, improv acting where it's like, yes, and we're, we're not doing any kind of evaluating, at least, you know, in, in that shutting down way. At first, of course, we have a business to run and we got to get, you know, we have a story we got to get out there to the world. So we have deadlines and we can't do that forever. So there's this balance, right? So one of the big things that I do is I try to give some separation between idea generation and evaluation. One of the ways I'd like to do that is I usually have a, a big kickoff session with a team when we're starting and I'll ask a bunch of questions. So for instance, one of the questions is, you know, you, like you said, the, the strategic narrative is a shift from an old game to a new game. What is that? You know, I'll give a lot of examples of different ones and how they're affected, but then I'll say like, what is that for you, for your team? I'll then ask people to give me their answer but the way that I like them to give me their answer, I think helps do this separation. So first thing is I ask them to write it down on a piece of paper first. So that gets out a little bit of the, you know, like, oh, I'm going to wait to hear what the CEO says before I, you know, and adjust it based on what, what everyone else is saying. So I'm writing it down. It also forces them to get a little bit clear, you know, clarify their thoughts a little bit. And then I go around the team and ask each person to share that in front of the rest of the team. And when they're sharing that, there's no feedback allowed. So we're each just sharing. I'm writing down. I'm writing it down in a way that they can see it, that I'm writing it down uh, so that they know they've been heard. If I have a question about what they said, or I'll ask them, uh, did you say this? Or did you say this? You know, I'll write it down. And then and in that whole session, there's no you know, maybe maybe I might say, hmm, it seems like we're all going around this area or something, but there's no like, hey, that's a let's choose this idea, let's choose that idea. There's none of that. And then after that session, when I start working with the CEO, then the C that's when the CEO can start saying, hey, you know what? I like these elements and these elements and these elements. let's pull that out together. Now we're starting to do some of that editing and selecting that Rick Rubin is talking about. Then we bring that back to the team. And then we're going to again, okay, what's working about that? What's not working about that? Same thing, no judgment. Then take it back to the seat. So this back and forth between generating and judgment. I always ask teams at the end, you know, like what really worked and without fail, like they'll tell me that that created an environment where they could be creative, but also move forward. Great. I love that. Thank you for sharing this process. I think that people can get a good idea of, I don't know how people run their brainstorms these days. I think it's probably all over the place because it depends on who's running the brainstorm and if people have done brainstorms before. But this process seems to be the one that has worked really well for you because you're working with late stage startups and then they come back to you and they're like, this worked really well for us, right? Otherwise, how could you be continuously <laughs> working with more and more clients unless it's not working for them, right? That the impact that you're having on the business is there. So I think this is great. Thank you for sharing the process. And I wanted to ask you, 
what startups come to mind for you right now that are, because I, I really am trying to push more into creativity. I think that it's very, it's always been important, but I think it's extremely important today as resources get slimmed down, budgets get slimmed down. We have to figure out how to work with smaller, you know, smaller amount of resources. We need to get creative. And it's always been an important part of early stage startup growth because you're nimble, you're small, you can be bold, you can be different. It's the prime time to do things like that. So any startups that come to mind for you that are being creative, that are pushing marketing boundaries, and doing this well, who should we be watching this year? Yeah, you know, I can't give you any of those. And part of it is because like, I don't really see myself as a marketer. I don't sort of like go in those circles to sort of see that. And I know that's sort of a controversial statement. This idea that the the story is the strategy. This is a quote that I've had on my website forever. I, I end my podcast with it. It's a, a paraphrase of something that Ben Horowitz said of Andreessen Horowitz uh, a long time ago. It really speaks to this idea that, yes, we're going to use this story as a sort of umbrella for our marketing and for how we talk to the world. But I think maybe even more important from the CEOs I talk to is it's going to be the lens through which they lead the company. It's going to be the North Star by which the product is built. This is something I hear a lot from CEOs. I just heard this. I interviewed one the other day for a, a podcast that's coming up. Hey, you know, what's happened after we stopped working is this narrative became basically the decider in terms of what features in our backlog we're going to prioritize, what we're going to build next. So, you know, I think of it on that level. So to me, the the creative inspirations are, are not really other companies, but you know, people who really are very creative and seeing like, can something rub off? Some people that I really look up to, well, of course, Ira Glass, I mentioned before, my dream was to have a piece on This American Life. Uh, and that happened in like 2006. And so that was like, everything else has been gravy since then. And getting to work with him, I worked with a, a producer below him to do most of the story, but the final edit was with him on on a, on the phone. And to just observe him as he makes cuts, he just knows so much. Like, it's just, it's just great. Kind of like the way I think I learned about strategic narrative with companies. Like, he knows if you suggest something, whether that is going to be, like, fertile, like, <laughs> idea or... Oh, yeah, no, I've been down that path before, like a similar kind of path, and that's leading nowhere. Or, you know, hey, I don't know, let's try that out. You know, like how to make the decision between those. Another, well, I'd mentioned the Rick Rubin book. I think it's a great inspirational book. <laughs> There's like no examples at all in it. There's no science in it. It's like the opposite, like I said, of, the, of that book you were talking about. But it's very inspirational and you know, from someone who really has worked with a lot of people to achieve a lot of successful creativity. A writer that I really love is Jeff Dyer. Jeff Dyer, he, in his latest book, he talks about how, like, he just never really had a career, <laughs> like, ambition or anything. He, he doesn't think, like, to say that he, I have a career doesn't even make sense to them. What he has is, like, 
He has periods where he's like collecting things and then eventually like an idea emerges and he does a book about it. And then he feels like he's never going to have another book idea again and it's all over. And then somehow he starts getting interested in something and collecting it. And this is like the repeated process. And, uh, you know, I think that's very much kind of what it's like. Fascinating. Okay, of course, Andy comes on here and he's like, I don't want to talk about companies. I want to talk about people. All right. There are some really creative people. And that makes sense. And I love that you shared that. I'm going to check out Rick Rubin's book. I'm going to check out Jeff Dyer's latest book. And Ira Glass, like that must have been amazing to have that experience. So thank you for sharing all of this. It's so fun to talk creatively with you, Andy. So thank you for coming back on the show. You got to put your website on your LinkedIn, by the way. I had to dig around to find it. So put your website (laughs) on your LinkedIn. Put that you're a podcast host. It's also not on your LinkedIn. Those are my tips for you, Andy. I bet you have way more tips for me. But you can find Andy on LinkedIn. He is Andy Raskin. Check out his website, andyraskin.com. And thank you so much. It is always so fun to have you on the show. And especially today where we got to chat a little bit more about creative stuff. Thanks, Anna. The thing about my website, by the way, yeah, actually, the thing about the podcast is that you're assuming that my goal is to get more podcast listeners. And of course, I like it when more people listen to it. But I really just do that podcast to force myself to go back to CEOs I've worked with and talk to them. And I didn't want to like sort of muddy the waters of my LinkedIn profile and other things with that. I understand, Andy. You have a reason for everything. Folks, please go check out his podcast because it's still really, really good and very, very informative with the impact that strategic narrative is making at these companies. So, Andy, great to spend time with you. Thank you so much. You too, Anna. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.